I look like a ghost. I am the ghost of Dalinar's <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of My Sister Made Me View It, where one sister forces the other to read and or watch something, where I'm currently dragging Emily kicking and screaming through Oathbringer. Uh, my name is Megan, and I should be cleaning my kitchen. My name is Emily, and I should be setting up my new desk. But instead... Instead... We're making a podcast! We're making a podcast! Uh, hello... You okay hello, there? listeners! <laughs> yes, listen, I, I need a light on so I can read the book while we're recording, but I can't have my overhead light on because of the fan. Now, I could turn the fan off, but it's much easier to flip a switch than pull the chain. And just l- listen, this is fine. All it means is in the video that Emily is looking at, I do not have a face because my <laughs> ring light is on in this dark room and it's completely blowing me out. <laughs> but uh, this week, did I? Did we do We're Making a Podcast? We did do Okay, this week, we're covering three <laughs> chapters. We're covering chapter 15, Brightness Radiant, chapter 16, Wrapped Three Times, and chapter 17, Trapped in Shadows. Emily, at first brush, what did you think of Dalinar's wife's name? <gasps> she's back. She's back. You remember well, that she's back. She's not back. Okay. She's, <laughs> she's back in the name exactly where he left her. <laughs> Okay, but she's back dumb in the narrative. Question. Is uh-huh. her name Evie or Evi? Uh, I've always said it Evie. Okay, I love that. That's what I was saying. But every single time I pronounce a name in this book, it ends up being wrong. So I don't think that's true. Shallon Davar. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners. How is Evelie's pronunciation? Write in. Tell us. <laughs> Speaking of, uh, Emily, we, in preparation for our Patreon, mm-hmm. which by this time, Patreon's old hat for you guys, but we are currently gearing up and prepping everything. Uh, Emily's been going through our creator tools on Spotify and has found some interesting statistics of our listener demographics. I have. And Emily, you wanted to tell me some of them on the podcast. So shall we go? I did. Okay. Um, I'm going to tell you right now, uh, our follower count has been steadily going up. Uh, so that's Bless. really, really fun. Uh, right now, this sounds fake, okay? Okay. But I have a picture to prove it. Spotify lists out our listeners by gender. And so we've got female, male, non-specified. That fake. <laughs> and non-binary. Right now, our gender uh, is, we have a audience that is 27% female and 69% male. What? Yes. Are you t- <laughs> Do boys listen to our podcast? Boys listen to our podcast. We got listen, way more as, dudes. As two light-eyed spinsters who've never been popular <laughs> with the men. Thank you thank to you. all men. Yes, all men who yes, listen all- <laughs> to our podcast. Listen, Emily and I come from a family of all sisters mm-hmm. and a majority of our friends through junior high and high school were therefore women because we were terrified to talk to boys. <laughs> uh, but 
I guess all we really need is faces made for radio. <laughs> I was gonna say we just need like a layer between our we need like the audio equivalent of a safe hand where we can talk and talk and talk and then our listeners could listen and if they have anything to say they can write in and tell us so listeners of now according to my math there was three percent unaccounted four percent unaccounted for mm-hmm. either as non-specified or, or do we have a percentage of non-binary listeners yeah two percent non-specified yeah. and two percent non-binary so just like the milk <laughs> <laughs> there you go our non-binary and or gender fluid listeners are the milk of our podcast <laughs> thank you for coming to we our love podcast all of you we this do. is so exciting mm-hmm. oh, wow uh do you have a list of where our listeners come from mm-hmm. so our top our top listeners are the united states thank you so much shocking uh America. next is <laughs> next is sweden Truly the roshar of this world sweden, sweden. hello 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 to our swiss listeners our swissiners swissiners <laughs> Oh my goodness. Oh, and then in third place, our United Kingdom listeners. Yes. I do need to tell you, though, about there's one other one um, uh-huh. that made an impact on me. What made and it, that, a statistic? Are statistic you saying that impact. statistics can impact our everyday lives? Yeah. <laughs> so they've listened like country one, two, three, four, blah, blah, blah. And I think it goes all the way down to... We have forty. We have people from forty-one countries that listen to us, which is very wow. Very cool. Who's the unique, special unicorn from country forty-one? It's number thirty-eight, and the country That's- is unknown in all capitalized. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. We have an astronaut that listens to our podcast. Would <laughs> be amazing. Please well, write in and tell us someone- if that's you. <laughs> That makes us someone's VPN exclusive. They yep. got one just to listen to us. But no, tell me who's the special unicorn listening in Country 41? That is Singapore. We have a one listener in Singapore. Singapore, so, thank you. Yes. Are you the listener from Singapore? <laughs> right in. Right in. Tell us. <laughs> at sis made me view it. No, sis made me view it at gmail.com. Yeah. Yep. Oh, poor, that's we had amazing. a poor listener. Maybe we talked about this already, but we had a poor listener who wrote in and was like, please, can I join your Discord? And Meg was just like, well, yeah, Emily will let her in because that's Emily's job. Emily didn't check the email for like two weeks. Ugh, Maybe now, three weeks. <laughs> now they're in. They're in. They're in, and we're so happy to have them. Mm-hmm. Uh, great. I love, I love you listeners, all of you, and I believe in you listeners. Mm-hmm. Uh, Emily, what episode went up today on our feed? Today, the episode went up, it's the last, the last uh, Words of Radiance episode, our longest one to date yet, clocking in at like three hours and 58 minutes and like 42 seconds. <laughs> so Hefty. A hefty boy. Chunk. Chunk, chunk. Anyway, Emily, 
You did the reading this week. I did the reading. As every week. So okay. happy and proud for you. Tell me about it. Oh, it's so good. So we meet with Adolin and Shalon. We get to check in with uh, Dalinar and Navani. And then we also get to check in with Kaladin. So we got this great, this great whole complete group of friends. Except where is Renarin? He just like flits in and out like some wise man, some like Mr. Miyagi mysterious figure that's kind of like, oh, oh, and I want him back. Where is he? He's just trying to stay out of Shalon's way. <laughs> Shalon, you jerk. Do you know what? Do you know what? Shalon had nice and kind thoughts about Renarin this week. So about time. Thank you, Shalon. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is not related to what we read. Um, this is, I'm, I'm preambling. I know we've preambled a bunch. I'm going to preamble a little more. Um, and then I'm going to have you read an epigraph for me. But Emily, do you want to know what is the biggest burden I carry as the spoiled reader? Yeah. I know who the flashback characters are in all 10 books. Oh, Brandon's done all 10 of them. Okay. Brandon has released the name of all 10 of them. Is Renard one just- of them? This is something we recorded last time where you said something and I was like, well, obviously because, and then I was like, not obvious. Emily doesn't know. So you just asked, is Renarin one of them? And I'm going to say Rafo, but maybe, maybe when we reach the end of book five, I'll tell you who the flashback characters are uh, in the second saga, second half of the saga. But before we get to all that, wait, Emily, wait, before we epigraph? get to all that, wait. Before even that, I have something no. to say about that. Yeah? I now have firsthand experience how you feel. Oh, yeah. And I have so much more sympathy for you than I ever did before. And how hard of a job you have when it comes it's to being the spoiled reader. It is difficult. So I recently took a, just a day trip with my parents uh, every year in August, we drive up to Bear Lake, which is in, it's on like the Utah-Idaho border, and we get one of their famous raspberry shakes. It's just a quick day trip. We do a little road tripping, sightseeing. My, I say my, our parents are currently reading The Way of Kings and are being super good sports about it. So while we were on the trip, I got to read them a chapter out loud, and I got to tell you, Mom and I are like the same person because she had all these great, great questions about it. Wanted to know, well, what about this? And I don't think Zeth is that bad of a person. And (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like, oh no. But she kept asking questions and I'm just like, oh, you got to read and find out. Oh, you got to read and find out. And then she'd ask these super amazing questions. And I'm like, I legit can't remember if they've answered this or not in this book yet and I didn't want to ruin anything because they don't want to know she's just you know she's just asking questions but like dang it like I got put on the spot so many times and I just thought for like the 20 minutes we were reading this chapter I was like I need to give Meg so much more credit than I have ever given her because this is hard yeah I agree you do need to give me more credit (laughs) (laughs) well awesome well hello to our parents it's going to be about to listen to us three uh, or four years until you get to this to point. But <laughs> oh, awesome! Well, uh, Emily, can you read me the epigraph to Brightness Radiant? 
Yes, this is chapter 15, Brightness Radiant. I will express only direct, even brutal truth. You must know what I have done and what those actions cost me. From Oathbringer Preface. Again, I have guessed that this is a Yasna book. I, I think I'm wrong, but I still love, love that it could be her. Like, it has this very kind of, like, I'm not going to say haughty tone, but but a little bit holier than thou tone of just like, I have all this knowledge I'm going to impart sounds, upon you. Sounds like a, sounds like a colon talking. Yes. <laughs> all of my wisdom. But we start off with Adolin, world's greatest detective, working alongside with sidekick Shalon. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Adolin is very much like Maybe there were two murderers. And Shalon's like, oh, oh, Adolin, you're so simple. You're so sweet. You could never do anything bad. Or, you can't even think like an evil or bad person like me, an actual murderer. <laughs> so the phrase, uh, Shalon thinks, oh, Adolin, he'd arrived at a theory he'd liked and now wouldn't let it go. It was a common mistake warned of her in scientific books. Love this. And like, she has a, th- she, yeah. Well, it reminds me of, it's sometime in Words of Radiance where we were talking about, it's where she's sneaking in with, mm, not Marais, who's Marais's sidekick, the woman who goes with uh, Shalon yep. to the, the hospital. Oh, I, I know what she looks like. What's her name? I know what she looks like. <laughs> But we were talking about, like, how Shalon was kind of using um, using her, like, half-truths, half-lies, and how, like, Shalon knew everything and people just assumed things about her. I love that the same thing is happening here, that she's falling into the traps that other people have fallen in with her. Because, like, obviously Adolin is too simple to really have a scientific mind about this. And I just, I loved it so much. Um, because... Shalon's just like, well, there's it, it was the exact same method of murder. The body was positioned in the right way. But Adolin's like, but nothing else connects these two people. Because, uh, you know, Sadius was the first victim. And the second victim is someone named Bright Lord Perel. And so he has died. Um, Rip. <laughs> and so Adolin says, nothing else connects them. Sadius was slime, widely hated, and usually accompanied by guards, Perel was quiet, well-liked, and known for his administrative prowess. And so... Dang, we could have used him mm-hmm. in Eurythiru. Yep. There. Now yep. I mispronounced something. Do you feel better? Oh, slightly. Maybe if you do it like 90 more times. Okay, you heard it here first, folks, but now we must exclusively call it Eurythiru. <laughs> I don't make the rules. <laughs> but Shalon is going through, like, she's she's being scientific about this. She's being very logical about these deaths. Which, again, Brandon, ugh, you do this so well. It makes me so mad. Shalon, we know, thinks about things logically, especially when it comes to, like, death and murder and mayhem sort of a thing. Uh, but Shalon's wondering if the second death is a decoy, an attempt to make it seem like random attacks. Um, and she's like, maybe everyone was paying attention to these two deaths because they happened to be important light eyes. Could there be other deaths they hadn't noticed because they'd happened to less prominent individuals? 
If a beggar had been found in Adolin's proverbial back alley behind a pub, would anyone have remarked upon it, even if it, they'd been stabbed through the eye? And Emily? What? Now, now that we've been doing some more thinking, some more investigating, what are you thinking about these murders? Ugh. I mean, we, I, I'm sorry. We know the first one. What are you thinking about the second murder? See, I think I'm still holding true to my theory that there's something in Eurythiru that has... that influences people like Adolin just seemed to have been overcome by some force that just like drove him to do this and I think I've talked about this before but we talked about I think we talked about ghosts like replaying out their deaths over and over and over and I think Uh there's some like vengeful spirit that's replaying how they died like it's stuck in it, it's stuck in a loop, and just if you happen to walk through their path, or it happens to like come down and and possess you or whatever, I think that's what's going on. Okay, cool, nice. So Shalon is feeling some turmoil because, uh, like we mentioned in our last episode, she's not been able to forget about what she's admitted to Pattern, mm-hmm. and now she's she's having a hard time dealing with it. Um, because Adolin has brought up, hey, there's something about us, something that, something about you that we just can't ignore anymore. And in Shalon's head, she's just hearing, I killed my mother, I killed my father, like, I, I stabbed my mother through the chest, blah, 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 blah. And Adolin's like, you have a shard plate, that's so wonderful, that's so amazing, it's so great that you have a shard plate. And inside, Shalon's just going, ah! <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I mean, he's excited, but it's great. But she's a woman, Megan. So yeah, but like that doesn't matter to him. <laughs> it it's doesn't just, matter to him. It's gonna be. I mean, Yasna's gonna have one too. We're just uh, even the Aylin's dark. Like, We're just have gonna one. have to accept it. We're just gonna have to accept it. We're just gonna have to deal with it. But I do, I do still have to remark on it that it's it's weird, but I accept it. <laughs> And she wants to... A bridge he, boy can have one and he's dark-eyed. <laughs> he also is wondering, which I... I Again, Brandon... So good. So good. Um, as a duelist and as a soldier, I totally can follow Adolin's train of thought because he's like, you have a shard blade. Does that mean you also have plate? Like, like he's... That's just the lo- next logical step in his... I mean, yeah. It's his it's, thoughts. You, it comes in sets. Mm-hmm. But he, she's just like, and, I don't Shalon, know where. It, Shalon's like, yeah. I don't know where it comes from. I don't, I mean, I, I don't think I have plate. And he says, I know it's not feminine, but who cares? You've got a sword. You should know how to use it. And custom can go to damnation. There. I said it. <laughs> Emily, two questions. Uh-huh. One, where does plate come from? Ah, well, we've talked about how to regrow it, but it's plate that's already in existence. Oh, is it alive as well? Well, if if you think about it, that big day on the battlefield, they only left behind their swords. They didn't leave. I don't think they left behind their plate. I don't think they did. They did. Leave behind their plate. Did yeah, they, they put their, their swords. helmets on the swords? Am I thinking of something completely? <laughs> um, my next question is. Does Shalon have plate that she doesn't know about? I would love it if she did. 
Like, if that's, like, the next step in, like, your radiant evolution, you know? Well. Okay, I, I want to jump back really quick to our Bacharal Woman um, thing where, uh, you know, Adolin's just like, the bridge boy can have one. He's dark-eyed. Well, he was. Anyway, it's not so different from that. And Shalon thinks, thank you for ranking all women as something equivalent to peasants. Which I find so funny because... Shalon is speaking from this level of privilege. Like, she's so derisive about dark eyes. And yes. she's like, ugh. I can't believe Adolin is equating women to dark eyes. Mm-hmm. But then you think about Which... dark eyes, who probably feel very strongly about being equivocated, equivocated to as <laughs> someone lesser, you know? And yeah, I just find it funny that she's so, not offended, but she she's just kind of like, ugh. But at the same time, she sees people that way exactly. Yeah. I just, I love that characterization. I love it. All These <laughs> few chapters have so many fun little just like, ding, you know. <laughs> but Adolin has prepared for this conversation because he's like, we need to train you. Um, Guess what? I happen to have brought the guards for the, the blades so we can practice right now. And he's so excited. He's so excited. He's, listen, he's just Ken. He's just Ken. His job is sword. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Because um, it's funny because um, she's like, okay, this is important to Adolin. He's trying to be broad-minded. And she goes, thinking of what she'd done pained her, holding the weapon would be worse, so much worse. And that's when Adolin's like, let's break! I I brought the guards ready we're gonna do it just right away here we go um so while he's off gathering the stuff they need she almost has like a full-fledged panic attack I think she's like really like trying to tamp it down because she doesn't want to use this sword that she just has remembered killed her mother you know, she used it to kill her mother. And so, rough, oh, oh, she's like having a, like a mini meltdown about this almost. And, and Pattern's like, what can I do? What can I do? And he's like, um, you can kill me, Shalon, if I can go and they'll send you, <laughs> they'll send you another spren to bond. Cause he feels so bad about this. Uh, but that's, that's there's... interesting because I thought like, after Kaladin, like, broke his oaths in the previous book and still disappeared, there was not another spren sent to him. Well, you have to remember that the different types of spren are different communities and, like, oh, different kingdoms. Yeah. So it's possible that there are more cryptics than there are honor spren, like, still okay. left. Okay. Okay. That makes that makes sense. Um. So what... Shalon does is she creates a new character. It's not brightness, you know, Shalon. It's not radiant Dalinar. Dalinar, sorry. Radiant Davar. It is radiant. No, it's brightness radiant. No, wait, who is it? It is brightness radiant. It's brightness the chapter radiant. title. Okay. Speaking of the title of the chapter. Wait, no, we did epigraphs. We oh did. Oh my gosh, Emily. <laughs> what? We just did epigraphs. Remember earlier when I'm like, did we do this? Did we do this? Listeners, 
Uh, I'm at the very special part of my Star Trek season where I am directing two episodes at once. And in about three weeks, I'm going to be directing three episodes at once. And that's just going to be exciting for everyone. Mm -hmm. Except hopefully this year, I won't have (laughs) (laughs) e-COVID. Oh my gosh, that was miserable for you. And me, you gave me COVID. Uh, But I didn't give you food poisoning. You did not. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) So she wants to create someone similar to Yasna. So, um... She she wants someone, she's created someone with Yasna's subtle smile, composure, and self-confidence. Shalon outlined her own face with these ideals, creating a harder version of it. Could, could she be this woman? I have to, Shalon thought, and so she draws in Stormlight and becomes, like, she really, she doesn't change much about her, except she does, we must, we must, we must, we must increase our bust. She does make herself have bigger <laughs> boobs. <laughs> Because she was patterning herself after Yasna. Who is apparently well endowed. (laughs) But she even starts speaking like that. Like she starts speaking like much too formally and has to like pull that back because she's addressing Adolin as like brightness Colin and things like Mm -hmm. that. And she's, she's speaking in the third person, that sort of thing. And I, this was like sad to me. I totally get it. It totally fits with Shallan's characteristics. Everything we know about her from book two, where she has pretended her whole life to be something else, to be strong enough to take care of her family, to forget what her dad does to them. Like she's doing this and it's not out of left field. And it's so sad that we understand why she feels she has to do this. She just becomes someone completely different to handle doing this thing that she feels she can't say no to that her fiancé has asked of her. Now, you you mentioned that this is not out of left field. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and I agree, because we've seen Shallan develop Veil. Mm-hmm. But, like, I think when we first saw it, she was developing Veil like you do a and d character or, like, a, a, a character you play on the stage. But later on in Words of Radiance, she starts saying, I wish Vale were here. Vale would know how to do this. And now that we're getting into Oathbringer, it seems like the reality of these personalities that Shallan is developing seems much more involved than just like a character she's come up with. That these aren't just names and faces but that these are new identities or aspects mm-hmm. of Shalon. yeah and i mean i say this and it sounds super judgy but if if she's able to do it that means it's already an aspect of her and i just find it sad that she feels she has to like strip away parts of herself to survive to function when it's just like mm-hmm. you put all of these together and Shalon, you are a completely wonderful person. But it's just, I mean, this is just the way she's, she's dealing with it. And I'm not criticizing that. That's, I hope it doesn't come across as criticism, but yeah. uh, I just and, feel and bad for her. Listeners, we will talk about this. Listen, spoilers. This is not the last time in the book Shalon does this. Did she live um, to book four? Like Moash. I think I said last time in the book that she does this. So, yeah. Rafo. Okay. Um, but listeners, this is this is a a new 
facet of Shalon's character that we will keep an eye on and we will start talking more of. But since we're just getting into the start of it here at the beginning of the book, um, I'd ask you to trust and understand that we will talk about it with more depth and detail as we figure out more of what's going on. It's just <laughs> we're, we're sticking with Emily at the beginning of this to be like, oh, that's that's interesting. That's not what I was expecting. Anyway. Um, and this is a great situation actually for Shalon to be in because Adolin is teaching her. He's legitimately teaching her how to use her shard blade, which is awesome he's like teaching her different stances and everything but like he's a little hesitant at first and it's not because he's worried about her or thinks it's unfeminine of her to do this he's just like he says i i'm trying to think how zahel would teach you this because zahel pops up back up in these couple of chapters which is super fun um but i i i love that adolin is taking this seriously rather than like here's step one he's like how will shalon learn this best like he's He's so thoughtful. I love him. Mm. But he's like Me teaching too. her. He says the blade is part. Oh, it says other part. Blah, 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 blah. Sorry. Hold on. You can do it. So, yeah, he's he's teaching her all the stances. He's like physically showing her how to do stuff. But he's also lecturing at the same time where he says the blade is part of you. The blade is more than your tool. It is your life. Respect it. It will not fail you. If you are bested, it is because you failed the sword. Like, he's teaching her these principles. And I just, oh, I love it. Because he sits and talks to his sword before a match. His, his sword is, like, as real to him as Pattern is to Shallan. Mm-hmm. Even though his sword is a, a, a not dead. Yeah. Yeah. Ouch. <laughs> Somebody left uh somebody left a corpse to be used by a wicked murderer (laughs) just kidding so and shallan also learns how she does best because at one point she's not quite getting something um and so she actually at one point tells adolin to like she's like pause like freeze and she sketches it out so i love that she's learning and solving problems through her current skills and so she she sketches it and then she sees suddenly she understands what the stance is supposed to look like and she's able to do it. I just Ah so mad. Brandon, you do this so well. So frustrating. So this was a this was a superpower of someone in Heroes, do you remember? I do. Wait. There was a person who uh, could learn anything by watching. Yes, she came in as a season two character, and mm-hmm. I don't remember her name, but yeah, she could she could learn to do anything by watching a video, like even just a video of it. Mm-hmm. Uhura was cool. her grandma. It's a skill I would love to have. Yeah, but anyways, it it ends up being a very nice evening for both of them, and Shalon is later able to sleep through the night. She's very very happy about that because initially she was going to go out and see if she could find anything out about other people being murdered in a similar similar way you know a lower a person lower on the totem pole of social the social ladder um and instead she got to spend time with adolin and she's like great she'll go do that later she'll go to taverns and inns and later and do that so but yeah that's that that's that chapter okie dokie next chapter wrapped three times give me an epigraph for in this comes the lesson. 
from Oathbringer Preference. The lesson. The lesson. But I'm going to connect that to, I'm going to connect that to the previous epigraph you just read, which is, I will express only direct, even brutal truth. You must know what I've done and what those actions cost me for in this comes the lesson. Uh, do you remember when we talked about the lesson way you know, way back in book it one? didn't make much of a you know impact in my life so <laughs> uh so with your yasna as the author theory what has led to her becoming the sort of person who teaches lessons that way mm. okay and is she telling hoyd all of this on their road trip <gasps> yes that's exactly what's happening <laughs> i just, I feel like they could verbally tear each other apart and it would be so entertaining to watch. And then they make out. And then they make out! Even better. Anyway, <laughs> tell me tell me what Dalinar is up to. So Dalinar is inspecting the honor blade that Captain Kaladin has brought back. This is Zeth's old blade. This is what was giving him his powers, if we'll recall through the, you know, previous two books. Um... And so he's looking at it uh, because he, I think they know at this point that it is, do they know at this point that it's the honor? Yeah, they know it's the honor blade. They do. Yeah. Um, Stormfather even refers to it as an honor blade. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says upon cursory inspection, it was indistinguishable from an ordinary shard blade. Elegant, relatively small in that it was barely five feet long. It was thin and curved like a tusk. It had patterns only at the base of the blade near the hilt. And he's saying, um... This weird thing about this is it has no gem on the pommel, which is how all the other shard blades um, are bound to their owners, their users. I don't know the correct term. Yeah. yeah. Um, which I, I remember at one point, like, I think when Adolin wins one of the blades, he crushes the gem. Uh, I, I think that breaks the connection that... The, um, I don't think he crushes. I think he says to the person he defeats, like, uh, you know, break the bond. And I okay. think the dude just presses in the gem. I don't think he breaks it. Though. Okay. It's been a listeners, while since we've read that. <laughs> listeners, do you want to write in? Do you want to tell us? Mm-hmm. Don't put spoilers in your email title. Yes. Oh, well, unless it has a spoiler in it. Then definitely mark it spoiler. I'm saying don't title your email so in book four, when this happens, just don't put that in the title. <laughs> just don't do it. But write in and tell us things. <laughs> Dalinar also realizes that when he touches the blade, it's warm. He says, like, it's alive. But it also doesn't scream when he touches it. So that's that's a big, big difference between between a lot of the blades. The ones that scream who are dead. Oh, I just, oh. I just feel so bad for Renarin, who is like, here's a shard blade. And then all he does is hear it screaming when he uses it. And then he's just like, nobody else thinks this is weird. So I'll just do it, I guess. Like, poor dude. Right. But um, Dalinar and the Stormfather, again, talk about kind of the upcoming plan, which is to uh, pick a champion to fight Odium. Like, that's kind of the only way they know that they are going to be able to win this that's what they're hoping they can convince odium to do and then and then he hides the blade megan in a toilet in a toilet so we've got one shard blade in a planter and another one in a toilet next someone's gonna put one in a fax machine 
<laughs> we've got these, you know, incredible tools of the gods, basically. And Dalinar's like, toilet time. <laughs> <laughs> and he kind of explains, like, what the plan is to to help fix the city up. Like, Navani is super excited to get the sewer system up and running. And listen, I understand that that might be boring to some people of like, well, who cares how this works? Who cares that we have, you know, I don't know. The idea of how to run a city and how many different pieces of the machine are going at the same uh-huh. time. Like, you've got to have people who are growing food, who are importing the food, who are selling the food, who are, you know, packaging the food. You've got to have people who are creating cloth and then weaving cloth like there there's just so many people in this world who need who you need to run a city and people who have that sort of brain that can keep track of like 19 million things at once all the kudos to you i'm not one of those people yeah i am very happy running one storyboard team thank you very much Anyway, he, he goes to meet some of his guards mm-hmm. who are from which bridge crew? 13, I think. Hold on. Yeah, bridge 13. So so we we have branched out in our available bridgemen. It's mm-hmm. not just bridge four covering everyone. They all have their own like identities and things. And he talks to a fun a fun bridgeman, Sergeant Rial, who feels like a Terry Pratchett character, he you know? He does, yeah. Kind of like Sergeant Nobby Knobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my favorite part of the exchange is like, do you know what time it is, Sergeant? And the guy's like, well, I believe your wife made you something that tells the time. <laughs> Emily, tell me about Delinar's fancy watch from Navani. It, let's see. There's a leather bracer, somewhat like an archer would wear. It had two clock faces set into the top. One showed the time of three hands, even seconds, if as if that mattered. Like, yes, I'm sure it will. The other was a storm clock, which it, which could be set to wind down to the next projected high storm. And he's just like, they got it so small. This is so cool. So do you think seconds are going to become important in this book? Because he was so dismissive. <laughs> I think so. Beginning. I think that's a red herring. No. Red herring is something that doesn't pertain to the future story. Chekhov's fake out. Chekhov's second hand. Okay, yes, check off second hand. So we'll find out by the end of the book if it's a red herring or foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Navani has also put a pain, what is it called? A pain reel? Pain reel. A gemstone fabriel that would take pain away from him if he pressed his hand on it. Um, she is using him as a test subject, which I think is nice. Romantic. I don't know why that word comes to my brain, but I think it's adorable. Uh, the Delator goes to his favorite place, the sparring ground, and is trying to find a sparring buddy. And uh, how successful is he? Uh, he's okay. But Zayhel's back. Zayhel's back. It's faster. I was actually, okay. So I was trying to find the footage of special guests Ted's uh, Edge Dancer episode that we did. Mm-hmm. Um, but instead, I found a clip that I saved out to send to Ted of you realizing Zayhel's true identity, our first time through Words of Radiance. When I say Warbreaker. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to say Warbreaker again real slow. Okay, this is going to sound like I'm lying and I'm trying to make myself look really good. But where we meet Zayhel the first time and Kaladin notices 
how perfectly this man fits in and how that's what makes him stand out. I remember distinctly thinking of the scene where Vivienne, Vivenna, Vivenna. Vivenna is in the crowd and realizing the only way to stand out is to not try to fit in or trying to fit in will make you stand out. Some Something like that. And I was like, oh, ha, ha, ha. That's, that's funny that I'm thinking of Warbreaker at this moment. And then my brain was just like, what? You never, what? I don't know what you're talking about. That was a clue. That was a clue. But uh, again, out. again, we're realizing, because we remember Dalinar has married Navani, which is really frowned upon by people in the church. Yeah. And Dalinar. And the ardents are not happy. They are not happy. Like, not like, not like in passing, like, eh, didn't think it was that cool. It's just like many of them feel very uncomfortable about it. And Dalinar says, oh, people are uncomfortable now, but, you know, in, in, the entire history of whatever, it's just going to be a footnote. No one's going to care. People care. They care so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to the point where it's affecting, like, people are, are protesting him. They're like, we're not going to support you. I mean, we're going we're gonna to be here because it's our job to be here. But mm-hmm. we're not going to duel with you. We're not going to help you out unless, you know, like, specifically asked. Yeah. There, there are far-reaching consequences that... I think Dalinar maybe expected or maybe anticipated, but didn't expect. Does that make sense? Yeah. He was like, oh, yeah, like, there'll be a consequence for my action, but it won't actually affect me. Mm-hmm. People will just talk about it and then be done. He doesn't realize that they are, like, having almost the courage to, like, rebel a little bit. Because I think at one point, I I think it's sometime in this chapter, but they, they mention... There are a bunch of rebellions going on in uh, the the castle it, back home in Alethkar and oh, Kolinar yeah. proper. And I think we're seeing the very beginnings of a rebellion here. <laughs> anyway, sure Dalinar picks someone to spar with him. Someone who's younger than him. <laughs> and he's a little surprised that it's more difficult to win than he thought. Oh, buddy. So. So, so, basically, this, this episode is called the, the consequences of, you know, sorry, this, this chapter is the consequences of Dalinar's actions, mm-hmm. that he's, oh, I'm getting older. The world is not how I imagined it. Mm-hmm. Or, hey, people are not excited with my marriage. It's not the way that I had imagined it. And I, it's not quite hitting him, but we saw a little bit in the last book that Dalinar is like, Oh, the, my visions mean this, so I must do this. I must unite the people of Alethkar. And he's starting to realize at the end of the book, I was wrong. I was wrong. I was wrong. And he's getting that sort of to a lighter extent in this chapter. I was wrong. I was wrong. I was wrong. <laughs> but it seems like the lesson is not sinking in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And at one point where he's getting beat, he reaches for the thrill. Um Ooh. You know, uh, the thrill. Soldiers spoke of it in the quiet of the night over campfires. That battle rage unique to the Alethi. Some called it the power of their ancestors. Others, the true mindset of the soldiers. It had driven the Sunmaker to glory. It was the open secret of Alethi success. But Dalinar stops himself from reaching for it. Because 
he has come to understand there is something wrong with the thrill. Which, funnily enough, that's the chapter that I read to mom and dad in the car where Dalinar is being like, ooh, I don't like how this makes me feel. So even in book one, he was realizing this. Hey, Emily. Yeah? What is the thrill? We talked about this a lot in book one. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, especially when Dalinar and Adolin started not feeling it during certain fights. Mm-hmm. But, Emily, what's the thrill? Well, I didn't realize this until I just read, reread that chapter, but I guess it's only available to the Alethi. Yeah, so I Because we have, like, the Parshendi, who can change forms. We have the... Um, who's the guy whose tattoos move all around and his shadow comes on the wrong side of his body? Uh, Axes, the collector. Axes, the collector. Um, I didn't realize it was just an Alethi-only thing. So that will be interesting to learn more about if it's a genetic thing, if this mm-hmm. is... I mean, I don't... Okay, if it's if it's not genetic, what are the other options? Magic. Okay. Because there's more than one kind of magic in the yes, Roshar. Yep, you're right. Um, I don't know what it would be for. It would feel very unfair... To give such an, a disadvantage, well, I guess an advantage to one race over the other. So I wonder if each mm-hmm. race has like something comparable. Does it does it make you reconsider how warlike the Alethi are? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because... Is it and like and finally like explain. It explains a lot. Yeah, it's not just tradition. It's an actual physical feeling that almost feels like it's addictive. Um, Do you remember Mm -hmm. the, I mean, I'm sure you do, the Star Trek Next Generation episode, The Game? (laughs) I do. You know, I was the one who put a copy of the game headset into Lower Decks Season 2, Episode 2. Oh, is that the menagerie? I put it on the bust from Captain Picard Day. <laughs> <laughs> but the idea of just, like, it, it takes over you and you're just like, well, this feels great. I'm not going to fight it. Mm-hmm. So your, your question that I have not answered yet is I don't know what it is. I don't know. Okay. If it's just, like, if it has to do with, like, how fast your heart is beating. If it has to do with, like, the ten heartbeat things where you call your blade. I I don't know. But if it is magic, do you think it excuses the things that the Alethi do because of their warlike state? Okay, this is going to be supremely unpopular, and I don't mean it this way. Is it their fault if something comes over them that they didn't want but can't really fight because it's very difficult for Dalinar to fight it off and it's only Mm. because he's super aware of it and like I said like the thrill is an unspoken secret that you know like Sadius when he's talking to Sadius about it like Sadius is surprised that Dalinar even brings it up because it's not talked about but it's expected to have so it's not taboo but it's not like yeah I was going to say, so we saw, we saw young Dalinar in a flashback, very warlike Dalinar doing horrible, horrible things. Mm-hmm. If those were thrill driven, is it his, is it his fault? That Would Nalen come and punish him? Would Nalen condemn him? But according to the laws of the land, 
It's fine. So I don't think Naylin would care. I don't think he cares. Okay. Okay. I don't think he would care. Okay. Well, spoilers. We're going to talk about that more in this book. (laughs) Okay. About compulsion uh, versus fault. I uh, and and, and uh, this is gonna be okay. This is gonna be great because I feel like it ties in with Seth. I, I was gonna I was gonna bring him up unless it will. Hey 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 yes. Remember remember my hypothetical person A person B person C from last book. Mm-hmm. The person yes. A was Seth. Yes. I'm going to let you know that person B, who's killed a ton of people, is Dalinar. Dalinar. Mm-hmm. Dalinar is person B. So, yes, he does tie in with Zeth. He is person B in that metaphor. And you, you, we have not seen the murder that marks whoever person C is. So, okay. wait for that. Is it Adolin? <laughs> we saw that murder. We did see that murder. I'm assuming there's going to be more murders. We're going to make Adolin person D then. Okay. We're going to talk. Listen, we're going to. As we're investigating the murder, I think we'll talk more about it. Uh, did did the thrill make Adolin kill Sadius? I don't think it was the thrill. It felt different. Okay. You're still holding to the evil ghost of Eurythiru. <laughs> yes. Earthru. Yeah. The evil ghost of Utaru. <laughs> <sighs> okay, so Dalinar's, uh, Dalinar's wrestling this sweaty young man. Mm-hmm. But... Even though Dalinar is pinned, he's not giving up. And he's mm-hmm. slowly pushing, slowly pushing until the body is like, oh, for heaven's sake. Yeah. Well, the thing is, he's got Stormlight in his pocket. But he's also, so he's resisting the thrill and he's resisting pulling Stormlight in because he wants this to be a fair fight. But this is also, again, just reiterating, you're getting older. Yes, this is a younger man. Without these, like, helpers, you aren't going to win. Yep. And I'm getting older, too. But <laughs> Navani comes in because she's like, hey, we need to talk to the Irali queen. Right? Is that how you say it? Irali? Irali? Irali. Irali. Okay, I'm going to get this one day. I think that And Navani's like, come come to the writing chamber. And Telenar's like, no, we can just do it here. I'm going to multitask. Um, because... The reason they're speaking to this queen is they had an oath gate, two if you counted the one in the kingdom of Rera, which Erie had sway over. Among Erie's three monarchs, currently two kings and a queen, the latter had authority over foreign policy, so she was the one they needed to talk to. And hey, so, that's cool. Mm-hmm. It's very Narnia, kings <laughs> and queens. So I bring this up because we, I mentioned to you, I wanted to talk about this earlier, where... Um, Dalinar is multitasking. He is still wrestling. He is still fighting while Navani is writing, reading back to him, waiting for his response and then responding to the queen. And this reminded me of the scene in book one where he is digging the latrine with his war hammer and he just, Mm -hmm. he needs that physical activity to think things through. And again, great characterization. And I thought you were going to say, listeners, I'm multitasking right now. I am podcasting and I am drawing. Oh, did you want me to compare Dalinar to you? Yeah, actually, I like Dalinar. 
Megan and Delinar are super similar because they're very <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and we're very good at multitasking. I say flashing back to 30 minutes ago when I was like, did we do this part of the podcast already? <laughs> or when we were recording Roswell. And Roswell. And, and you, were you like, said this whole long thing and you're like, don't you think? And I say, no, it's the opposite. And you're like, no, I are just you sure? my point. <laughs> my voice. <laughs> okay. So the big problem is this kingdom is thinking of allying. Allying. Yeah, allying with the void bringers. Not because yeah. not because they're like, well, we're evil too, so we're going to we're going to be friends with the void bringers. It's just like they have the power. They have a, you know, they're they're very straightforward like why shouldn't we why shouldn't we like hitch our wagon to their star sort of a thing? Yeah, because they're they've had dealings with the Alethi in the past. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is where Alethi's history is kind of coming back to bite them in the butt. Because we've seen Dalinar's flashbacks of how they just like come in and just decimate everybody. And nobody wants to let the Alethi in on the oath gates. No one wants to invite you know, scores of Alethi soldiers into their country. So it's almost like these people are picking between the better of the enemies. Like, Alethkar does not have allies because Alethkar, like, comes in and takes over people. Yeah. There's no, there's no getting along. There's no, hey, scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. It's I see what you have and I want what you have and I'm coming in and taking it and too bad, so sad for you. And so Dalinar, I say Dalinar's brought this upon himself, but I totally get why people don't want and don't trust him. And he gets it too. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Yep. But so Dalinar is basically carrying on two conversations at this point. He's carrying on the conversation with the queen via span raid and he's doing he's having a conversation with kadash which is kadash an ardent is that what's going yes. on okay kadash is an ardent now and he's an ardent we've seen several times like he's the ardent that adolin talked to in the first book where he's mm-hmm. like is my father going insane is he actually seeing visions and kadash was the one that kind of gave him that vague you know polite but vague answer mm-hmm. um and kadash has has said you know dalinar i'm not I'm not backing you anymore. And and he's the one that was talking to him after the wedding to be like, the church isn't going to like this. Yeah. And so Dalinar is like, do you know what? Once again, people do not listen when I ask them nicely. So he's going to order Kadesh to duel him. Mm-hmm. Because poor Kadesh. Mm-hmm. Let's say this is not the only time Dalinar has challenged his view of absolutely everything. Because if you remember, after what happened, Dalinar mentioned earlier that after what happened at the Rift, that's what made Kadesh quit his servants to become an ardent. What happened at the Rift? We saw the Rift. Dalinar killed a bunch of people and a baby. Oh, a little kid. That's, oh, that's in the, the flashback. flashback. Where Dalinar, in the flashback. Yeah, in a flashback. Okay. In a flashback. He, Dalinar has not killed any babies that I know of. Uh, in the books on screen Got it. that we've Got read it. so far. <laughs> There's still time, though. <laughs> Rafa? <laughs> That's my dad, Dalinar, the baby killer. <laughs> Emily, have you watched Trail to Oregon? I've seen bits and pieces. You've shown me a lot okay. of it. <laughs> that sounds like me. Uh, there's a bit where 
uh, because the audience gets to name the characters in the version that's up on YouTube. The son in the family is called Crap Hole. Mm -hmm. And uh, there is a scene where he has to shoot Buffalo because Trail to Oregon is a spoof of the video game, The Oregon Trail. Mm -hmm. And um, I played The Oregon Trail a lot in school. And there are moments where you go out and hunt your food. Um, but you can only carry so much meat. So, like, if you shoot a ton of animals, you just have to leave them behind. Anyway, there's a whole scene with the buffalo and firing and everything. And there's just a bit where, uh, and Jeff is the name of the actor who does the dad. Where he's just so proud. He goes, that's my son, Crap Hole. And the baby killer. And just his delivery is so good. Jeff Blim. <laughs> I like your delivery. I like your style. Good stuff. Speaking of delivery, Kadesh is delivering some hard-to-hear truths Ooh. to Dalinar. Zugma? No. <laughs> well, no. <laughs> because Kadesh is, we find out, kind of miffed that Dalinar's been going around telling everyone the Almighty's dead. <laughs> yep. And he's kind of, like, being angry with Dalinar. And Dalinar's like, what happened to the Ardent I used to know? What happened to the man who used to counsel me? Like... Somebody that you used to know. <laughs> You're just attacking me, man, for, like, my opinion. And Kadesh says, basically tells Dalinar that he's afraid that he has failed uh, in his most solemn duty to a man he admires. Like, he's an ardent. He's supposed to be counseling people in wisdom and truth and keeping them on the straight and narrow. And Dalinar's not listening. No, he's not. Dalinar only listens to one person, and that's Navani. Mm -hmm. <laughs> just kidding. It's himself. <laughs> but apparently it's not just these local ardents. Again, we've talked about the consequences of Dalinar's actions. Uh, the church, capital C, is having a lot of issues with Dalinar. And Kadesh is like, please, just like recant something. Let me take something back to the church. Let me show them that you are, you know... You know, I'll, I can, if you can recant that you say that Almighty is dead, I can get them to accept your marriage. Like at this point, it's, it's coming down to like some pretty serious accusations. But Dalinar's like, no, he's actually dead. Oh, there's a line I wanted to call out earlier with the Stormfather that was so good mm -hmm. where um, they're working on a map together and dalinar was saying well you say you see everything like why can't you make a better map and stormfather says oh i only see things that are left out in the storms in the dark and then the line that i love is i am not a god dalinar any more than you are your shadow Ooh, i like that and then that made me think about emily what are the markers of odium's champion the shadow in the wrong place no the man with nine shadows no. yeah. yeah nine shadows mm -hmm. Sorry, I'm thinking. <laughs> oh, never mind, I figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Dalinar, this conversation between Kadesh and Dalinar comes to a very interesting point, and it's about tradition. Because we understand this church is, let's see. Okay, here we go. Don't throw out everything we've believed because of a few dreams, Dalinar, Kadesh said. What of our society? What of tradition? And Dalinar brings up this great story. And I've heard it a couple different a couple different ways before. But he's talking about his first swordmaster. Dalinar's talking about his first swordmaster. You know, the Colin family wasn't always rich and didn't always live in palaces. Like we were, you know, we had to go several towns over to find a swordmaster. And this swordmaster always made Dalinar wrap his, like, the belt 
around his waist three times. Dalinar's like, why? It's uncomfortable. It's itchy. It's tight. And the, you know, his, his person's just like, well, my master taught me that was the proper way to do it. So then Dalinar, older, goes to find this other master. And, and, you know, why do we do this? And listening again, all the reasons he hates it. And the guy's like, well, that is what my, how my master taught me. This is the proper way to do it. Because Dalinar's going, these people are only doing it two times. They're only wrapping their belts around them two times. And so he finally goes and finds the master. The master who has taught, you know, the, the previous ones. Master of masters. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's asking, you know, what is the purpose to this? Is it some, like, significance? And the guy's like, no. If I only did it twice, I'd trip over it. So I wrapped mine three times. And the idea that these it, traditions get passed down. Personal taste. Personal yeah. taste. And so this past weekend, I built a computer. Built a computer with some of my really yeah, good friends. Yeah, you did. And one of the things I do with these friends when we get together is uh, – one of my friends is, is heavily involved in Reddit and she will save me, am I the, am I the a-hole, you know, stories to read. And she read this one that was fascinating. And, uh, it was basically like a lot of these names have been changed and I'm going to shorten it down super far, but, uh, female is pregnant, is married into this family. This family has a tradition that the firstborn male of every family is going to be called Peter. And it's been going on for like seven or eight generations. Like, wow. It's a tradition. Well, the trouble is the name Peter has a lot of connotation in her family as it was, uh, they had a family member named Peter who was very brutally murdered. And the grandma had asked kindly, she's like, in my lifetime, I would appreciate if none of you named your kids Peter. Um, once I'm gone, if you feel strongly about it, then do it. But just I'm asking very kindly for my sake, because it really affected the whole family. It was a terrible, terrible thing. So her in-laws are super crabby about it, but they finally are like, okay, we get why you can't name your kid Peter. I guess we'll let the tradition go this time. Well, grandma passes away like two months before the baby is born. All of a sudden the in-laws are like, great, you can name your kid Peter. This is wonderful. And it got to the point where like this woman and her husband had to like cut off contact with the family, with these, these in-laws because they were nuts about it and were so angry that they wouldn't do it to the point that when the baby was born, these in-laws told all of their friends, Oh yeah, they named their kid Peter and like would only call the kid Peter. Anyway, long story short, they did not name their kid Peter. (laughs) And one by one, as other cousins and siblings were having kids, everyone's like, oh, so you'll name them Peter. And they're like, no, we hate the name Peter. We, we, and so like, so the in-laws have, have accused this woman of like breaking tradition and tearing the family apart when like no one liked it. No one wanted to name the kid Peter. And like previous people who had named their kids Peter, they were mad that with our like, well, we had to do it. Why can't you do it? Why can't you do it this way? And just like take one for the team sort of a thing. And she's just like, what is the tradition? Like, what is that? And it just so happened that like, you know, someone got dude named Peter, named his son Peter. And then when he had a son, he named him Peter. And it like, there was nothing significant about it at all. Mm-hmm. 
it had just started. It just started. And the idea of just going along with something because it's always been done or because it's always, that's the way we always do it can be so dangerous and so hurtful that when someone's just like, I feel strongly about doing it this other way and people get their feelings hurt because they had to do it. So why can't you suck it up and do it as well? I love Dalinar's point. That's what I'm, that's what I'm coming to is I love Dalinar's point of like his masters were just so insistent that this is the only correct way. And that this is like so meaningful to tie your belt three times, even though it's uncomfortable and painful and like actively like keeps Dalinar from being the best duelist he can be. And come to find out it's just personal preference that got labeled tradition. Tradition. Ooh, that's cool. There's a lot there. I know I just went off on a huge, super long tangent, but like that is something I've been ruminating on actually ever since like reading this and hearing that Reddit story of just like, what are things in my life that I just do because I've always done? Like, am I too afraid to try something different? Am I named Peter? Listeners, are you named Peter? (laughs) Write in. Tell us. That was, okay, that wasn't the actual name. That's just, she changed, she changed some of the, some of the names to like protect the innocent sort of a thing. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, that's just been something that's, that's fascinated me lately is, is the idea of why am I doing this? Do I really want to do this? Is it, am I feeling guilted into doing this? That sort of thing. So. (laughs) Cool. Hey, good tangent, Emily. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. So. You shouldn't need proof in the Almighty. You sound like your niece. I'll take that as a compliment. What? What of the heralds? Do you deny them? They were servants of the Almighty, and their existence proved his. They had power. Power, Dalinar said. Like this? (laughs) He sucked in stormlight. And then he binds Kadesh to the ground. And Dalinar, in front of everyone, having trapped and ardent on the ground stands over him and says the knights radiant have returned and i accept the authority of the heralds i accept there was a being once named honor the almighty he helped us and i would welcome his help again if you can prove to me that voranism as it currently stands is what the heralds taught we will speak again a la yasna <laughs> yep Ugh, where is Yasna? We haven't seen her in a dog's age. She's here somewhere. I hope she and Wit are having fun. So yeah, so Dalinar has kind of like drawn the line in the sand, which I love. And then, Megan. What? What? So, Navani catches Dalinar up on what the rest of the queen's message is. And basically she says, you can contact her with arrangements for a return of the stolen goods and she'll consider so it turns out <laughs> that the stolen goods are Adolin's shard plate, which we know what? Which we know belonged to his mother. And Dalinar's like, do we know how valid this claim is? And Navani says, not very. You got that through marriage and to a light eyes from Rira, not Eerie. But basically, Irali eerily is claiming that like because uh rira also belongs to them 
that's really their property and they want it back, which is a huge deal because you can't just make new shard plate. It's just whatever exists, exists. Yeah. That's like, that's, uh, it's very similar to like the, the United States currently, uh, holds territories that aren't actual states because they're just being kept as territories. That's like saying, um, if someone from shard plate from Puerto Rico, uh, you know, gave, you know, through marriage, gave their shard plate away that, oh, that belongs to the United States. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, anyway. but, uh, uh, Megan, what, what's the name of the person that it originally belonged to? Ivel. And? I, 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 Ivy. <laughs> yeah, Evia. No. Evie. Uh, oh, Evie. <laughs> Could you understand that name? <laughs> Could you understand that name? Oh, wait, sorry. Let's do it again. Ask me again. Who does it belong to? Who does it belong to, Megan? No. <laughs> I would ask if you understood that name, because if you understood that name, Dalinar understands the name. I know I just goofed about it, but I made Emily quietly read this, in this in, on a Discord just so I could, like, stare at her <laughs> as she reacts. And, like, Emily, what did you think with the name reveal? So, all of a sudden, Dalinar can remember because Navani says Evie and he's like whoa 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 say that again and she's like oh that's right I'm sorry you can't hear her name and Delaner's like no seriously say it again and Navani goes Evie and suddenly like Delaner gets like metaphorically hit in the head with a hammer because all of his memories of his wife got back well well that's not quite he remembers her name and he remembers her face. Oh, okay, sorry. He could remember, he could hear his wife's name and he suddenly remembered her face. So my theory is what? he's starting to get healed, quote unquote, like Renarin's eyes have been healed. Like anytime um, Kaladin gets hurt, he gets healed. I think becoming a Radiant is fixing whatever the night sister did to nope the night watcher okay. did to his brain because we did just see him suck in stormlight to uh pin kadesh to the ground yeah as being part of a radiant yeah um and so you're thinking it's specifically this sphere that he inhaled that like fixed the synapses in his brain no i think that you become stronger over time like once you become a radiant it's not everything all at once like cal like like the lopin has to work on being able to suck in stormlight kaladin like slowly grew in power and i think this is what's happening with dalinar is that if he doesn't specifically remember memories of his wife i think that's coming because he's Uh, just being able to heal himself great now, Emily, hmm? what do you think Dalinar's wife looks like? I think she's beautiful, and I think she's blonde. Why do you think... Oh. <laughs> Emily, why do you think she's blonde? Oh, I What did you originally ask me? I was going to be like, how did you know she was blonde? And then I realized we talked about it, like, a bunch already. <laughs> um, for those of you who don't remember, Adolin's hair... Adolin and Renarin's hair are are, like mixed dark and blonde which means one of their parents had to be blonde which it was their mother then give me give me give me the epigraph 
for 17 Trapped in Shadows. Okay. It is not a lesson I claim to be able to teach. Experience herself is the great teacher and you must seek her directly. From Oathbringer Preface. So who's this chapter about? So this is Kaladin. This is Kaladin's yeah. experience. He has surrendered himself to these parchmen uh, who are out in the out in the woods. These are the ones that left the previous village, took the grain, um, and he surrendered to them in a previous chapter. And now he is getting to know them and he is realizing that his initial assumptions have been very wrong. Yeah. Because they're all standing around talking about like, I'm not going to go back. You can't make me. I'd rather die. And they don't come across really as soldiers and Kaladin's kind of confused because this is not what he was prepared for or not what he was expecting. Yeah, not at all. He's trying to, well, he, he's trying to make some overtures. He's trying to befriend his captors. Mm-hmm. And one of the things he does... I wouldn't like Kaladin. Kaladin's a gem. Well, apparently at first, Moash did. <laughs> Moash so is stupid. People, he doesn't some, matter. Some people need a chance to warm up to Kaladin. So... One of the things he does as an overture is he says, you could capture that card with the squ- with the game you were playing before. The squire can capture. Mm-hmm. And that, that doesn't work. Uh, and and he's, he's really realizing as he's spending time with these people what the reality of their enslavement must have been like. Because mm-hmm. he was like, oh, it's I was a slave. I have brands. Uh, that's what makes a human a slave. Um, so we're alike. Yeah. He just does not get the depths of the horrible depravity that this centuries long enslavement was like for these people. Because it's not just that the Parshman bodies were enslaved. It was their minds as well. Sil explains to Kaladin that somehow when they were captured, when they were enslaved, like literal pieces of these people's souls were taken out. And the parchment mm-hmm. also like make comments about like, all I could do was like watch the world go by and I couldn't do anything about it. Something was slowing me down. Something was keeping me from understanding things. And just like how horrible that is. Because I mean, listen, I don't want to, I don't want to like undercut the terrible things that happened to Kaladin when he was a slave, but they are not the same thing. They did not have the same mm-hmm. experience. Kaladin was always had like full faculties of mind. Um, he could use it to better his circumstances. He could use it to try to escape. But like the way the Parshman explain it, it's just like, it was like they were, they were taken and like their senses were dialed way down and they could see all these terrible things happening to them, to the people they loved around them. And they just couldn't do anything about it. Like, that sounds like an absolute nightmare. Mm-hmm. So this chapter, as he joins them and he's talking with them, he's also trying to get information out of Syl. And Syl is acting very suspicious. And it freaks Kaladin out for a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he's like, did I did I break the bond <laughs> without realizing it? Did I break the bond? Uh, no. Why is she flitting around like this? Why is she acting like this? Because one, she thinks the parchment might be able to see her and she doesn't want to like give anything away. Two, there is a spren around and they're pretty sure it's not one of theirs. 
like yeah. like not she, just any sprint but like an actual like special sprint i don't know what you call them still calls it still calls it a high sprint which is probably um connecting points it's probably like a sprint with higher functions that doesn't just follow basically that follows their own thoughts and decisions instead of just their instincts mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so kaladin's realizing not that he's over his head but just that this whole situation is so different because not only are there a bunch of parchment here who are basically kaladin realizes just escaped slaves they don't want to go and kill anybody they don't want to start a revolution they don't want to do any of these things they're escaping they're running away and there's also a ton of kids here and like kaladin has never thought about parchment kids before yeah these have you seen them before before. just i don't think he has i don't think he has and when when he makes his just cringeworthy, I'm the same, I'm like you. And the guy mentions that his wife was sold because she was a good breeding mother. Kaladin's like realizing the level of horror mm-hmm. that goes into this. It's like how um, the way that we've been really harping on Shalon for not registering how terrible the Dark Eyes are treated, Kaladin in turn is realizing he hasn't thought through the implications of generational enslavement Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that if a person is a resource the best way to increase your resources for free is to like go through these horrible breeding programs yeah yeah like i would imagine as a dark eyes i mean you don't like your position you don't like being a slave and you would just kind of like fantasize like, well, if the light eyes could only be put in my place, like they would get it. Mm-hmm. And it's just so sad that there's like a level lower than the dark eyes. And and the dark eyes can understand it to, up to a specific point. But unless you've lived it, you just you don't get it. Yeah. Yep. And so he kind of surprises himself. But he, Kaladin himself, has had a lot of experience escaping. Has not been very successful, obviously. Escape. Um, has never been successful, if we're being honest. He didn't actually escape the army. He's still <laughs> in the army. <laughs> but um, that is true. <laughs> he starts giving them advice about like, hey, you guys are following the river. This is the first place they're going to look. You know, there's a bunch of you. It would be better if you did this or you went here. And they're just like, you want us to get caught. Why are we listening to you? And Kaladin's like... I actually don't think I want you to get caught. <laughs> no, Emily, you've mentioned that Kaladin's never escaped before, and I'm going to say that's not exactly true. Not for he, long. He he yeah. has escaped, but he's always been caught. That's what I meant. Yes. He, he, in book one, we found out that he escaped, or he tried to escape, like, nine times. Yeah. And his best, hold on, his best attempt lasted five days yep so maybe he's maybe he'll maybe this time maybe this time yep we'll see uh so he escapes the listeners for realsies this time but he doesn't run away um after he cuts his rope and he uses the rock that was holding him to break open a rock but what does he start doing he teaches them how to build a fire without wood because all the wood is wet because it's the weeping 
So he starts teaching them how to survive, how to stay escaped. And I want to bring up one more thing. As Kaladin is slowly learning to expand his worldview and, and realize that he needs to see things differently than he's been taught. He needs to think beyond tradition because it's tradition. He's thinking about Relaine, who was in Bridge 4, and he still, in this chapter, uses the fake name, uses Shen, and sometimes he corrects himself and sometimes he doesn't. Interesting. So this is not going to be flip a switch and Kaladin's enlightened. Um, it's going to take him a while to reform uh, how he sees the world. But I think this is a good start. Mm-hmm. And this brings us to the end of this week's reading. So we're going to jump and do our heralds, and then we're going to do predictions, and hopefully by then I will have thought up a song of the week. Okay. So Emily, who's the herald in front of Brightness Radiant? It is Shalash. No. No. Check. Oh, because she doesn't have the jewel on. It's a helmet. Oh. Paula? Nope. Chenarach. Chenarach, Yes. And she is about being brave and being obedient. Which is interesting because I think here Shalon is being brave. I don't see her being obedient, though, because she has a shard blade and ladies aren't supposed to do that. I see it as Brightness Radiant, who's extremely proper and a perfect radiant. Mm. I see Brightness Radiant trying to emulate Chichanarach. I see that. That, that sounds great. Mm. Nice. Okay, tell me about chapter 16, wrapped three times. This is Ishar, bald dude. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And he is the head of the... The three, the bondsmith. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> listeners, I just tried, like, three different sets of charades, and I'm like, that won't help, that won't help. So then I just held up the number three, and Emily figured it out because she's a genius. Uh, Emily, tell me why you think Ishar is relevant to this chapter. Uh, because this is Dalinar's chapter, and he is one of the three. Mm-hmm. Not only that, Dalinar uses one of his surges for the first time. Oh. He has the surge of gravitation, just like the Windrunners. Mm-hmm. So how Kaladin was able to stick that water skin to the barrel, that's what he did to stick... What's his face to the floor? Kadesh. Nice. And the last one, Trapped in Shadows. This is, uh, okay, it has been a minute. I know who this is. His name I saw you make the correct mouth shape. J. Yezrian. Yes! Thank you. Yesrian. <laughs> um, and I think Kaladin, as a Windrunner, is exemplifying uh, Yezrian here. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting to me. He's being a leader. And this might just yeah. be because, yeah, this is interesting to me, and it might just be because of the three chapters we chose, but Kaladin, being his authentic self, gets his patron herald. Dalinar, being his authentic self, gets his patron herald. And Shallan, working on this new aspect of herself, is embodying... Someone that's not her original self. Oh, I like that. Now, that doesn't hold through because throughout the entire book, we change heralds every single time. Yeah. But it's just interesting that it lined up perfectly this time. What, you know, it does Chichanarach, she connected to Shalon in any way? I don't know. We'll probably never know. 
That wraps up for this week's reading, and I have got to come up with a song, and I really want to do Make a Man Out of You from Mulan with the shirtless wrestling. Mm -hmm. But have we used that song before? I want to say yes. Okay. If we have used that, so if we haven't used that song before, we'll put it on this playlist. Okay. And if we haven't, then then we're going to use the song from the Barbie Princess and the Popper. To be a princess is to know which spoon to use. <laughs> and it's about Shalon uh, developing brightness radiant. I love that. I love that so much. All right. Next week's reading, we are going to cover chapter 18, Double Vision. Mm. Chapter 19, The Subtle Art of Diplomacy. Okay. And chapter 20, Chords to Bind. And now, Emily, I'm going to tell you. Remember in book two, when something, something, when something would happen to Shalon and it would specifically trigger a flashback? Yes. So far, that's held a true in this book. And we're reading, one of our readings next week is a Dalinar flashback. What could we possibly be seeing? With a Dalinar flashback? Uh-huh. His wife. We better see his wife. I will be so upset if we don't. Well, Rayfo. You know what? Did you know that is the one thing we actually do constantly mispronounce on this on this podcast? You want to hear something hilarious? What? We actually talk about that in the episode we're posting tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like you. You're just like me. <laughs> All right. Well, that wraps us up for this one. Join us next time on more Oathbringer, but I have to go clean my kitchen. Wait, do you want to do thanks to uh, Michael Party? We are doing something new where we are doing our end of episode business here. Emily, can you pull up a calendar real fast and count out how far in the future this episode's going to air? I have no air? idea when this one's going to air. Okay, then I'll put up Before we wrap up, we just want to say, like, thank you to everyone who listens to us. Again, I, we talked about our, you know, all the people from all over the world that have been tuning in and listeners, how much we love you. Okay, last um, one. Again, hopefully, Patreon will be old hat for you guys by this point. Uh, I just want to let you know that we will be doing some Patreon-exclusive feeds. Our first one that we have planned right now that probably won't come out for a little bit, but we'll definitely let you know, is we're going to be doing a patron-exclusive feed for all the Marvel movies, the Marvel MCU, the television shows. Um, I'm trying to get Megan to talk about Rogers the Musical, so we'll see how successful we are when we get to that. Uh, but we'll have some Patreon levels where you can get in on our Discord and you can chit-chat with us. You can ask us questions that we will will answer on the podcast it can be about anything uh you you know depending on what level you'll have you can vote on our next projects that sort of a thing so we're really excited um and for those of you we totally get it uh, if you're not able to monetarily contribute to our podcast not a problem we will always put these episodes out for free these you know the ones that we have right now we're not going to put those behind a paywall or anything um 
But one way that you can support us if you'd like to that doesn't cost anything is to uh, rate and review us on Apple iTunes is our the best kind of uh, version we have right now. You can also do it on Spotify. Those are the two that uh, actually help us out the most, get us the most uh, traffic, the most, uh, you know, help us be seen the most. I guess that's a, a good way to put it. But um, again, rating and reviews are just, oh, they're perfect. They're wonderful. And if, you know, you aren't able to contribute monetarily, or even if you are, ratings and reviews, still the, the fastest, quickest, best way to our hearts. All right. If I have read the stars correctly, our next episode should be coming out on... This episode comes out on Thursday, November the 30th. Oh my so gosh, our next that's so far in the future. should come out on Thursday, December the 14th. Um... But I think we'll be done with Roswell by then, so I don't know what would come out the seventh. So uh, we'll, hopefully, we'll, we'll see. It will be Skullamance by Naomi Novik. Hopefully, it'll be Skullamance. <gasps> so look for that mm -hmm. on Thursday, December seventh, two thousand twenty-three. Yes. <laughs> uh, and a special thanks to Michael B. and Cardi for the use of a song of "Passing Storm" as our opener and outro. Yeah, yeah. Okay, now we also I have one more feed. Kitchen. No, we've got one more feed. I do this I every week back because you don't do it. And so I have to do it. So I know what goes in all of the end exits. Okay. I'm busy directing a TV I show. Know. And you do a good job. Uh, so we have Thank this you. feed. We have done a Roswell feed. If you're interested in the Roswell 1999 television show, you can listen to that. Uh, spoiler alert, Megan and I both hate the last season, so you can come and listen to us be mad about it. Uh, we also have a miscellaneous feed going where we've currently already released, uh, the whole season one of Our Flag Means Death. We should have by now released either all or most of, um, One to Watch, which is a book by Kate Stamen London, and we will then be releasing The Guest, which is a Korean horror television show. And we use Michael B. and Cardi's song for all of them. So Megan already said thank you. But Michael, I'm also saying thank you. We love this song. Thank you. All right. I've got to get back to cleaning my kitchen. I'm going to get back to working on my new computer. Oh, you definitely can. Do you want to know how I know that? How? It's because I believe in you. Oh, I believe in you. Oh, ready? Freak! Freak.